The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Now, are you now? <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, folks, the Montreal Canadiens, another close one. Three in a row. Three games in a row that they have not lost in regulation. Uh, this one against the best team in the Western Conference, they lose uh, three to two in overtime to the Colorado Avalanche. Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and I am not even slightly pissed off about that game. I mean, wow. The fact that the last place team in the entire league could could take them to overtime now, let's be honest, um, we're, we're going to get into the reason, uh, the, the main reason that is why they got to overtime, but the fact that they even got there is pretty amazing. Uh, going into this game, you would think immediately, you know, they're, they're going to get crushed. You know, you got Nathan McKinnon, you got Kale McCarr, you got uh, Gabriel Landeskog, you got Nazem Kadri on the other side. They got a lot of players that are popping off right now. Um, there's no way. I, I immediately, when I turned on my TV to watch this, I said to myself, God, this is going to be like the, the 11 to 1 game or something like that, right? No, not so much. So let's get into it. What happened? Not a bad start, honestly. The shots actually favored the Habs through the first about five minutes. I think they were leading in shots for, for about five minutes. And then it, it did turn around, and it went the way that you would expect it to start going. Uh, ben Chirac goes to the box, and the Colorado Avalanche strike. It's a nice tic-tac-toe play to Alex Newhook. Fires it in, makes it one nothing. Caden Primo very busy in that first period. Uh, the shots were 23-12 to for the Avalanche after one period and uh he was shutting the door making really great positional saves uh you know he was swimming in his crease a little bit but you know when you you face 23 shots against you're gonna be swimming a little bit uh but he looked great making a lot of really great saves keeping him in it you know this is a game after one period and realistically when you're being outshot 23 to 12 you would expect it not to be a game whatsoever but it was and we get into the second period it's more of the same uh, the Habs are, are getting outshot. They're getting outplayed pretty badly. Uh, Larry Dolphins, Laurent Dauphin, takes a bad penalty. Uh, Samuel Girard, somebody who I very badly wanted the Montreal Canadiens to draft, but of course they traded away the pick that they could have used to draft him. Uh, he gets around behind the net, throws it out front to Valerie Nechushkin, who puts it in and makes it 2 to nothing for the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, the power play for the Avalanche just killing the Habs in this game. Uh, because Caden Primo was really standing on his head otherwise and, and making a lot of saves for them. Uh, but the Habs get one back later on in the period. Nick Suzuki and Arturi Lekkonen get in on a two-on-one. Suzuki throws it over to Lekkonen. Beautiful pass. Lekkonen fans on the shot just a little bit, but for once in his life, he gets a little bit of puck luck. It goes in, and it is two-to-one. 
And that's how the second period would end. Amazing. Honestly, amazing that the Habs were in this game after two periods the way the game was going. My dad texted me and he said, uh, this is like watching an AHL team play against the best team in the NHL. And uh, I think that's pretty apt. I think it's pretty close to what we were watching there. And uh, amazing that they were in the position that they were in. Of course, there was an early issue for the Montreal Canadiens in the third period. Nazem Kadri ends up scoring. Cuts towards the net, completely untouched. Uh, gets the puck right on the, uh, on the tape. Puts it in the net. And it's 3-1 to one for the Colorado Avalanche. But hang on a goddamn second. The Montreal Canadiens challenge. And it turns out that the Avalanche were offside on the zone entry. So it's right back to 2-1. to one. And after that challenge... Um, you know, I mean, Sham has been pretty unsuccessful on challenges this season. I got to hand it to him. As tough as I've been on him after that challenge, the Habs started fighting back a little bit. Like, they really wanted to get into this game. They really wanted to tie this game up. And sure as God's got sandals, they do. Nick Suzuki, again, gets involved. Christian Dvorak, uh, down at the side of the net, goes cross-crease to Suzuki while on the power play. He bangs it in. 2-2. Two to two. The game is tied, and that is how the third period would end. Shots were at 43-30 to in favor of the Colorado Avalanche at the end of that period. Again, amazing that they were even in that game, thanks in large part to Caden Primo and uh, a little bit, of course, Nick Suzuki as well, uh, who was involved on both of the goals that the Montreal Canadiens scored to tie that game. Amazing. Of course, overtime goes horribly. Um, They're badly outplayed in overtime, much like they were for the entire game. Uh, Valerie Nachushkin finds Gabriel Landeskog uh, going across the net and about two minutes into overtime and that ends the game but you can't be mad about this you can't number one you expect the Habs in last place in the NHL to lose to the best team in the Western Conference I think they might be the top team in the NHL right now in terms of points I can double check that real quick while I'm talking Uh, But the fact that the Habs could even goalie their way into overtime against a team that good um, while they're that bad, it's it's amazing. A huge testament to your clear silver lining of the night, Uh, Caden Primo. um, I think there was a bit of a case to be made for Nick Suzuki, but uh, Caden Primo, uh, the obvious choice um, as far as I'm concerned. And by the way, while I was uh, talking there, I did look it up, and in fact... The Colorado Avalanche are number two in the NHL right now, tied with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and behind the clear-cut number one team in the NHL, the Florida Panthers. Go figure. Um, Not number one in terms of making money, though, right? They need the Habs to come out and play a game with a bunch of players that have COVID, but that's a story for another day that I've already talked about. Back to today's story, which, from a Montreal Canadiens perspective, was quite clearly uh, Caden Primo. Wow. What a game from him. He was getting peppered. Uh, the Habs have been peppered for the last three games in a row. Samuel Montembeau uh, stole a game for them and then uh, carried them to overtime in their last game as well. And now they get carried to overtime by Caden Primo. The, the Habs are getting some really good goaltending right now, especially considering that their top two goaltenders are out. Jake Allen, Carey Price, obviously not playing. We've all heard plenty about that. We have no idea when either of them are going to be coming back. Allen probably will be sooner than Price. But the the point here is, we have a young goaltender in Caden Primo that, um, number one, I got super mad uh, a few games back when he got pulled uh, by Dominique Sham because I didn't feel like he should have pulled him at that point in a 4-2 game. But 
as much as I will still defend my overall position on Zsham pulling him at the wrong time, I have to admit I was wrong in thinking that it was going to hurt his confidence. He came out and didn't look like he was missing a single shred of confidence in that game. He looked fantastic. You know, I don't think he, they, they hit 50 shots. I think it was about 46 shots. <laughs> it's funny how not hitting 50 shots is like is, is like a good thing for the Montreal Canadiens right now. But, uh, you know, all this to say I was wrong about the confidence issue at the very least. Um, he looked very confident, looked very poised. Uh, he made a number of really nice athletic saves, made, some, made a couple of really beautiful toe saves. Um, everything about that was perfect. And this is a guy who is considered by a lot of people still to be the heir apparent to Carey Price. So eventually, you know, when the day comes that Carey Price retires, uh, that he could potentially take over and become the workhorse starter for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and you saw definitely flashes of that against the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, I, I think he's still got a ways to go. He's still a young goaltender. Um, there's definitely still work for him to, to do. But th- that was a hugely encouraging game because this was... <laughs> Again, the number two, well, tied for number two team in the NHL, playing against the worst team in the NHL, and he dragged them into an overtime period. Like, I, I shudder to think how many people who like to bet on hockey that had big parlays for, for the night uh, that ended up having their parlays ruined because they probably picked uh, whatever the spread was in favor of the Colorado Avalanche. Because you would think, again, like I did when I first turned on my TV, oh my God, is this going to be like an 11-1 game, right? It wasn't because of Caden Primo. And I think on that note, I I have to also throw a shout-out here before I finish things off to Nick Suzuki. What a game from Nick Suzuki. Uh, I mean, he was absolutely dynamic. Him and Tyler Toffoli together, since Tyler Toffoli has come back, have looked quite good. Um, and we were talking about it in the eyes in the prize chat, and I've seen a lot of people talking about it on Twitter. I definitely think that if you're making a list of untouchables, Suzuki, you already knew was on it, right? You're not trading Nick Suzuki. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe if we wake up and we start talking about Connor McDavid coming back from the Edmonton Oilers, you could probably say, all right, we might be okay throwing in Nick Suzuki, but let's assume that's not going to happen. Then he would be on your untouchable list right? You got to wake up and start talking about some seriously huge names if you want Nick Suzuki to be going the other way. I think he should be on that list. And I think that when you look at the chemistry he has with Tyler Toffoli, there, there might be a case to, to put Tyler Toffoli on that list as well. I think that's hard. That's a lot harder to do because Toffoli has value and he's not necessarily like, is he part of your rebuild? Does he want to be part of a rebuild? I don't know. But I think there's a case here when you look at how well they, they play together that maybe you want to hang on to him as well. Uh, that might be something worth exploring. At the very least, I would keep them playing together as much as possible for the remainder of the season uh, and try to you know really hone in on what it is that you have there. Um, but you know, a great game from him. Again, he would be a very close second uh, for the silver lining of the night, but I got to go with Primo. Uh, that was just too good of a game from him. Um, really, again, three games in a row where the Montreal Canadiens have gotten stellar, stellar goaltending from people who are not named Jake Allen or Carey Price from two different goaltenders that at the beginning of the season, before we knew that Price was out, before Jake Allen ran into injury trouble, we never would have expected either of these guys to be playing any games for the Habs. These are two guys 
that would have only been expected to come into the games if there were injuries or COVID absences. And guess what? They got in and they're making their mark. Unfortunately, Samuel Montembeau was announced uh, like during the game or just before the game that uh, he may have to have surgery on a torn ligament in his hand probably from making all those goddamn saves he had to make in the two games before this one. But uh, unfortunately, he might be out for a little while. So uh, this could be the the primo show for the next little bit. And uh, you know what? I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm excited to watch because that performance was amazing. And uh, I'd, I'd love to see some more of that from him. Anyways, I'm going to cut this off because it's getting a little bit late. We are running uh, a little over 12 minutes. So, gros soirée pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I'd appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And à la prochaine. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.